Greetings in the name of the Triune God. Welcome to the Rural Midwestern Pastor Podcast. My name is David Johnson, and I am blessed to pastor the rural congregation known as Samanach Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us as we explore together how the scriptures declare the good news that God's kingdom has come to us in Jesus. If you'd like more information on our rural congregation, please visit samanachbaptistchurch.org. That's S-O-M-O-N-A-U-K, baptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening. May grace, peace, and everything good be yours in King Jesus. Good morning. Welcome to the SBC Daily Word for Thursday, July 8th, 2021. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. Ecclesiastes 9, verses 1 through 12. Thought I'd begin this Thursday morning with a word of encouragement from uh, a character played by Robin Williams in Dead Poet Society. Speaking of a poem, he says to his class, We are food for worms, lads. And then he goes on to remind them that we should seize the day, that we should carpe diem, because all of us, one day, if the Lord tarries, are going to die. Ecclesiastes has a lot to say about the inevitability of death. So in these verses in chapter 9, The teacher comes to God's people as they're beginning to think about a new life after they return home, after the exile is over, after God's promises are finally kept. And he gives them this wisdom because death is the destiny of all. Devote yourself to enjoying the life God gives because death is the destiny of all. Devote yourself to enjoying the life God gives. So verses 1 to uh, to 12, I'd like to begin where the teacher is going to end. So let's first look at verses 11 and 12. Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to the skillful, but time and chance happen to them all. For no one can anticipate the time of disaster, like fish taken in a cruel net and like birds caught in a snare. So mortals are snared at a time of calamity when it suddenly falls upon them all. No matter how swift a runner, no matter how strong a warrior, no matter how wise or intelligent or skillful One day, the end is going to snare us all. In the 80s, I remember watching the 1988 Olympics. I remember watching for the first time the track and field events and just being so consumed with these athletes who could run 100 yards in less than 10 seconds. I remember Ben Johnson from Canada just destroying the entire field, beating them by what seemed to be three or four strides. 
And at that time, really wanting Carl Lewis, the American, to win. And then just a few days after Ben, ben Johnson won that race and the gold medal, it came out that he had tested for performance enhancing drugs. And there was kind of this bittersweet celebration that, that yes, Carl Lewis had run a clean race and that Carl Lewis was the gold medal champion. Well, come to find out nearly every single runner in that race was not clean in their running. And now when I think of Carl Lewis, I don't think about him winning the gold medal in 1988. I think about his fall from grace and I think about how not too many years ago, he had been given the responsibility of singing the national anthem at a basketball game, an NBA basketball game. And beloved, just I'll spare you the details, but, but, but go and look on YouTube, Carl Lewis national anthem. It is horrible. And I think of that here as we read verses 11 and 12, because here's somebody a gold medal sprinter, at one point regarded as one of the most elite athletes in the history of track and field. And yet his life has been trapped by shame, by defeat, by calamity. Beloved, the same is true for each of us, that ultimately, no matter how many vitamins we take, no matter how much broccoli and kale we eat, no matter how much water we drink, no matter how many steps we average for the rest of our lives, each of us one day are going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. This is true. How should we live in light of that reality? Well, that takes us back up to verse one. We're in verses one through three. The teacher gives us wisdom to, to prepare for the reality of verses 11 and 12. So look at verse one. All this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, one does not know. Everything that confronts them is vanity, since the same fate comes to all, to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to those who sacrifice and those who do not sacrifice. As are the good, so are the sinners. Those who swear are like those who shun an oath. This is an evil in all that happens under the sun, that the same fate comes to everyone. Moreover, the hearts of all are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that, they go to the dead. So, if death is going to come upon the evil and the good, upon those who pray and upon those who don't pray, upon those who practice religion and those who don't practice religion, upon the just and the unjust, what's the first thing we must remember? The first thing we must remember is that God holds in his hands the deeds of all. So this motivates us to, in spite of the fact that we are going to die and our righteousness isn't going to keep us from death, we should remember that all of our deeds, good or bad, are held by the God whom we will meet upon our death. Again, verse 2 as are the good, so are the sinners. 
I've never done this before, but I'd like to share a quote with you from that great theologian, Homer Simpson. He's carrying a Bible, sitting with a Bible, and his kids come up to him to ask him a question, and then he begins to talk about this Bible, and he says, what a, what a preachy book. Everyone's a sinner except this guy. That's a pretty profound biblical hermeneutical understanding of the scriptures that ultimately this book is filled with messy, broken sinners who are loved by God and whom God sent Jesus, the only one who didn't sin, to rescue. But we must remember that, that God holds the deeds and the persons, regardless of their justice, regardless of their wisdom or folly, God holds them all. Secondly, verses four to six, the teacher still reflects on this, that, that life is good. To quote John Mayer, the heart of life is good. So when we become people who think all of us are going to die, we should not then become unchristian in our understanding of death. That ultimately death is the deconstruction of creation. That ultimately death is the undoing of God's good creation. So just because everyone's going to die does not mean death is a good thing. Look at verse 4. But whoever is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. The living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no more reward, and even the memory of them is lost. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished. Never again will they have any share in all that happens under the sun. So he still wants us to know that, 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 that even a living dog is a good thing. So just because everyone's a sinner does not somehow make death a good thing. Life is still good. So then, to what kind of life are we commended? Verses 7 through 10. As he does many times throughout Ecclesiastes, the teacher commends to you and to me a life of joy. Go, verse 7. Eat your bread with enjoyment and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has long approved what you do. Let your garments always be white. Do not let oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that are given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. So just because we all are going to die, a truly wise person in light of that finds joy in the life that he or she has been given. Enjoy feasting. Enjoy good wine and good food. Enjoy your marriage. Enjoy hard work. Because one day it's all going to come to an end. And it's foolish to live with anxiety about the future, not being able to enjoy the present. Beloved, God's word never promises our best life now. I love how honest about life this text is. It reminds us of our dustness, that we are dust and to dust we shall return. Kate Bowler, who is um, a teacher and a researcher and an author from Duke Divinity School, told this story on social media this morning. There's this thing called Peloton, which is like this internet um, coaching where you can get a subscription to Peloton and you can have a stationary bike and you can have this teacher on your 
phone or on your television coaching you. And she talks about how there is this, there's this vibe in America now called the self-help industry. And she said her coach had this shirt on that said this morning, self-made myself. And there's kind of this idea that, that I am the captain of my fate, that, that, that if I can just do enough exercise, and if I can just drink enough water and eat enough kale and enough broccoli and enough carrots and, 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 and do enough meditation and enough yoga and enough all of this, all of this, all of this, that, that I can somehow control things. Beloved, there are Christian authors who, who, who promise us things like, do this, do this, do this, and you can have your best life now. And Ecclesiastes comes along and says, yes, you should give yourself to a life of enjoyment, but don't forget one day you are going to die. That, that ultimately what is wrong with this world is going to grab every single one of us until Jesus comes and makes all things new. So what Ecclesiastes comes to us and says is, accept life for what it is. Don't try to control it. There's an ancient proverb. It's anonymous. I'm not sure where it came from. Came from says, if I control everything, I enjoy nothing. I love it. Sometimes this 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 focus on on your best life now and 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 on eating right and and exercising and and having mental health those are all very very good things i think in obedience to ecclesiastes 9 we do those things but we must hold those things in their right space that ultimately ultimately we must face this reality that the world as it is will ultimately fail to deliver what it promises because this world as it is can't deliver us from death. So what must we do? We must be a people who deny ourselves and live wisely and, and pursue joy in the present, but ultimately we are a people who wait for the healing, the blessing to come. Tim Keller puts it this way, while other worldviews lead us to sit in the midst of life, life's joys, foreseeing the coming sorrows, Christianity empowers its people to sit in the midst of this world's sorrows, tasting the coming joy. Beloved, Ecclesiastes 9 in the canon of scripture doesn't call us to a pessimism. It calls us to face how bad the world is but then it calls us to be a people who, who, in the words of Romans, are saved in hope. Who believe these words from Isaiah 30, 15 to 18. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride swift on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away. Till you are all left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. Yet, in spite of all of your thinking that you can overcome what God's word says this world will ultimately do, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is the God of justice. 
Blessed are all who wait for him. Blessed are all who wait for him. Beloved, may you and I be strengthened to wait for the God who promises to come. May grace and peace and everything good be yours in King Jesus.